Hello, and welcome to the latest installment of Take Back Our Schools. I'm Beth Feely, here with my co-host, Andrew Gutman, and we are two accidental activist parents who spoke up about what was happening in our children's schools. And now we talk about those issues and education in general from a parent's perspective with the hope of finding some solutions. And today we are very happy to have with us Ramona Bessinger, who is a 23-year veteran public school teacher and is currently teaching English at the Classical High School in Providence, Rhode Island. She last year spoke out about some radical curriculum that was dividing her school and she paid a high price. Um, However, she was, spoiler alert, victorious. So we're eager to hear her story today. So welcome, Ramona. So thank you so much for having me on your show and for giving me this opportunity to share this terrible, terrible, egregious activity that has taken place in our schools. That's a great place to start. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you tell us about what unfolded um, at your school, which is not the school you're at now, uh, uh, curriculum-wise, mm-hmm. which kind of started this um, this path that you have gone down. Okay, I'll try to give you the so succinct and abridged version. Sometime around uh, 2019. Um, we received a brand new curriculum platform for the entire district. And this district was supposed to help improve reading, writing scores, et cetera. Immediately, there was cause for concern because we as a faculty noticed that they were discarding books en masse and throwing the books into um, massive bins. So thinking we were going to get brand new books, that was the expectation. However, that was not the case. What we received were thousands, literally hundreds, you know, many, many, many hundreds per classroom, but thousands per district of these paperback style, almost cartoon-like pamphlet style books with the same messaging, the same thematic connections, all about oppressed versus oppressor uh, narrative and history, etc. The characters were all the same. And history was definitely being presented through the lens of um, the uh, enslaved or the oppressed in the United States, which is an important part of our history to tell, but it's certainly not the only part of our history. So immediately I questioned, and the moment I questioned um, the content of this curriculum, um, I was called down to the principal's office and told not to question. And, And really, truly, I questioned in a very sincere manner, not really even understanding what the heck this was all about. Um, And sometime later that year, uh, sometime around November, I I taught the Declaration of Independence and was told to cease and desist, literally those words, stop teaching the Declaration of Independence. And then I was called to HR for being insubordinate. Just insanity was ensuing. And so any teacher that expressed um, discontent or or concern for this seemingly uh, dumbed down curriculum, but also anti-American curriculum, seem to be uh, focused on or, you know, harassed and bullied, I'll use those words, in 22, at the time, 22 years or 21 years of uh, teaching, I don't think I've ever uh, felt the need to use those words, and um, I don't use them lightly. So this harassment and bullying ensued by just constantly um you know, this sort of uh, messaging that we were getting in the professional development that America is bad and black and brown children can only learn if they have certain books in front of them and uh, images on those books that they can relate to. So fast forward, I... Uh, can I stop you for last, just... Ju- I'm yeah, curious sorry. if I can stop you, sorry to interrupt. 
Were you the only yeah. teacher that that spoke up and pushed back? Were there others? There are many teachers pushing back in many different ways. Like there's millions. So, and here in our district, we have 2,000 educators. This curriculum is rolled out primarily in English classes and social studies. So, out of the English and social studies teachers, many teachers expressed concerns and were shut down. Right. I was pro- I'm the only teacher currently that is speaking out and and currently working. By the way, many have been fired in some way or forced out. There's a teacher shortage for a reason. Right. And I'm, did, did, I'm curious. So this came about in 2019. And it's from what you described, it sounded like it was a surprise. I mean, did you have any inkling this was coming down the pipeline? And did you know what was, you know, what was the impetus for what was happening? This is just to you know, set the time. This is pre, you know, the right. summer of 2020 and George Floyd, where, you know, whereas where I saw it as a parent coming down. Um, did, do you know what precipitated this and, and did you have any inkling that it was coming? No, I had no inkling. And what was startling was the, the depth in which these, these curriculum platforms came into the schools. Like you typically you get a book or a set of classroom books. There were thousands of these books. This was well prepared. And we had just come out of that COVID lockdown. So how they put this curriculum together also, you know, is, was, was a question we were all asking, you know, come, this curriculum platform came comes complete with assessments and all the parts and pieces of um, any kind of a school district or a school day. And so it's massive and must have taken years to, to form. So how did they do that? That's a great question. And no, we did not have any idea. Who, who is the producer of the curriculum? And then also, who is the decision maker within the districts that are, that are pushing this curriculum? Decisions come from the Department of Ed at the federal level. Then the Department of Ed basically mandates to the um, school districts and states, um, the Rhode Island Department of Education. The Rhode Island, Rhode Island Department of Education then mandates to the districts. Now, that's an, you've asked a very interesting question. I'm just going to go back a little bit and try to give some uh, back information. In 2018, there was a curriculum bill passed that allowed every state, or, or currently, at least in Rhode Island, the right to make you make a uh, mandates for the entire state, a statewide calendar, statewide curriculum, everything was going to be unified. Sounds great. But then, of course, this curriculum came in and suddenly nobody has a voice and nobody can say what the heck is going on without, uh, you know, without some sort of pay, payback. So, um, so it came in now, just to the second part of your question, um, where does it come from? Well, we have five curriculum platforms complete with books and assessments, all CRT, all gender theory, all climate driven. And where it comes from specifically? Well, you have private donors like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. We, as teachers here in Providence, have been trained to teach Mark Zuckerberg's um, curriculum platform called Summit. Now, I know this probably boggles the mind because there are very there are quite a few pieces, but where it comes from, it comes directly from um, the federal Department of Ed on down, mm-hmm. and it comes through donors like Bill Gates, who's a big donor to education. He provided and supplied these uh, curriculum platforms apparently for free. Okay, and does the does the name Learning for Justice ring a bell? Did you come across that? Yes, okay. we okay. Which is the is, Southern Poverty are, Law Center. Um, it's yeah, been rebranded we, from Teaching Tolerance, right. which is what it used to be called, is philosophically yeah. exactly aligned with the types of, of materials that you were describing. 
well, we actually use the materials from that website, the curriculum materials. Um, the, you know, there, there are, again, several parts to curriculum. So part, in part, they're the books, but also the lesson plans and the assessments. So a lot of the lesson plan suggestions come from that website. And in fact, Providence endorses the abolitionist teacher network. And that is that very, very radical, almost violent, I would say, left-wing um, um, group of um, educators that believe that through radical sort of aggressive means and change, um, will we only see justice towards uh, people of color in this country. So it's coming from multiple places, but yes, that is one of the curriculum contributors. Did you have to, so you actually did teach some of these materials in addition to speaking out against them. I'm curious as to when you taught them, if you did, how did the kids react to them? Did you see instant changes where they changed their mindset, you know, kind of into this, this victimhood vein or, or did kids also push back against them? Like what was their reaction? Well, initially, we were giving a script and template, which I've never been given in my life. So we were given a timeline, scope and sequence. This is what you're going to do week one. This is what you'll do week two. Here are your themes that you'll focus on. These are the essay questions. And, you know, it took a couple of weeks, but even those lesson plans and the scope and sequence of this uh, lesson planning became, you know, as a veteran teacher, I'm I was immediately like, why are we doing this? This is very, very bizarre. But we were, we were told to strictly stick to a strict, a script. And yes, it took maybe until November, December again, when all of a sudden kids were no longer standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. And um, some students were calling me America and calling other teachers America. So they were separating themselves out from uh, what um, <laughs> I think I was called a European, uh, I forgot the term now, but they called me a European and would, would have these bizarre names that I'd never heard of. And so again, I'm like, what the heck is going on with these children? Like they're, these kids are becoming hateful and mistrustful of the United States and history. And who is teaching the children these concepts? Well, you know, you can see the concepts embedded in all of the curriculum materials and in the hands of say a novice teacher or a teacher activist, you can see where this is gonna go. The veteran teachers were more like conservative and I was quite conservative. <laughs> totally is that, back. is that, you know, from, from the perspective of, of sort of the newer, younger teachers versus more experienced teachers, I have always heard that this kind of ideology is taught in the teachers colleges. Uh, and it's, and it's been taught for a while, 10, 20, 30 years. So I, I don't know if you have a, yeah. a teaching degree and, and, and if mm -hmm. you do, if, if it was taught when you were in teachers colleges, but is that, do you think, where the younger teachers are getting it? Are they being indoctrinated in this, in the teachers' colleges? They most certainly are being indoctrinated now, I would say, from high school on up, uh, K through 12 upward. But prior to that, yes, in the university, universities are very liberal. I myself was, you know, hard, you know very much in wanting to save the world when I was, you know, first starting out in college. And I took the diversity multicultural literature and I was hell-bent and being, you know, making a difference. And, and that's okay to be that way, to be, you know, concerned for humanity. However, this is different. This is outward hatred for the United States. So we're, kids are all made to read the book um, Stamped, for example, in the 10th grade, which I opposed 
uh, and spoke out against because there's all kinds of in, inaccurate historical references. It also calls to violence, calls to, um, you know, reverse sort of racism and prejudice. And there's, you know, just multiple problems that go along with it. But yes, just to answer your question, this is coming from colleges on up. Um, sadly, now K through 12 education is being infected by all of this. Um, it's really a bureaucratic coup of sorts, and one that is getting more bold and bold to sort of inject all of these, I would say, Marxist ideologies into the classroom, into young minds that are impressionable. I mean, children are getting, you know, they're turning children, they're weaponizing children against uh, the country, against their family members in some case we're seeing with this gender ideology, but it's, it's, it's infiltrated every aspect of our school culture. And there are multiple reasons we probably don't have time to get into on today's show, but um, there are a lot of monetary incentives that are taking place, you know, where <laughs> they're sort of getting funds from the federal government, like the ESSER funds are, are being distributed to schools that comply with all the COVID guidelines, et cetera. They're getting now money from the federal government to to do to sort of implement some of these um, programs and uh, diverse, you know, DEI programs, diversity, equity, inclusion programs. It really. So just to be it's, just yeah. to be clear. So COVID, what was supposed to be COVID money. Right. Right. Is, is being redistributed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. teaching this kind of ideology. Is that is that. That's what's that happening, right? Correct. And we have questioned okay. that. Um, I questioned that at school board re- meetings. How could you, how can you justify taking COVID funds? And here's how they do it. It's a very loose link, but this is what they're doing. They're saying that the learning loss affected children of poor children and black and brown children more profoundly than right. any other community. Well, whether or not that's true, I'm, that's another discussion. However, that's how they're saying it. Okay, now the, the children of these communities have been affected, so we need to bring in more diversity, equity, inclusion, so we can close the learning gap. See how they're doing it? Even that, though it's, you know, not true. Right. And and that's where the culturally responsive teaching comes in. And then, as you said, Correct. they bring in all of this revised curriculum, even though it was, and it sounded like it was pretty low quality as well, which is also a problem, um, to supposedly address these gaps. We're going to pause here, but we'll be back with more with our guest, Ramona Bessinger. Hey, James Lilacs here with a brief interruption. Sorry about that, but I got to tell you, you know, we hit over 600 episodes of the Ricochet podcast. Why? Because because it's... It's beloved by millions, frankly. I got. I just got to say it. So why don't you be one of them? We just talked with Eli Lake about Mar-a-Lago and the Blue Anon. We talked to Annie McCarthy about all sorts of issues, legal and otherwise. It was all over the place with culture and politics. And really, you'd love it. Ricochet Podcast, every Friday here at ricochet.com. Okay, so your reward for speaking out against this was what? Well, when I re- not this past July, but the July before, I wrote this piece in Legal Insurrection and went somewhat viral at the time. And because of that piece that I had written, which was very, very, I thought very thoughtful and well written, because of that, when I returned to school, not this past, not this year, but the last year, when I returned to school, it was met with hostility from teachers that I thought were my friends. 
um, calling me a white supremacist, calling me racist, calling me terrible names in faculty meetings, like, and not in the entire faculty. Much of the faculty was just afraid and quietly speaking to me, look, Ramona, we support you, but we can't show it outwardly because we're afraid. A real culture of fear. Afraid of what? Afraid of losing, afraid of losing their jobs or see what's happening something to me. else? It was very challenging to be, to be harassed in this way. There were many sleepless nights. There was worry and concern. And, and this is my career. This is, you know, uh, what the, the one career that I, I know. And so there's a lot of worry and fear when that sort of mob uh, aggressive behavior descends upon you. You don't even know why. I, I genuinely asked some of my colleagues, several uh, colleagues that, that um, are African-American, like, why, what have I, what could I possibly have said that would lead you to believe that I'm, you know, your enemy right now? Like, and so, and then I still. So there was no involved. one that came to your defense. I'm sorry. There was no one that came yeah. to your defense or even quietly said, you know, I agree with you, but I can't say anything. A lot of, a lot of teachers agreed with me quietly, but were afraid yeah. to speak out. And currently there's lots of teachers that you know, probably follow me on social media, but have reached out to me from not only the United States, because this is happening currently in Canada in a different, slightly different way, because it's the native community against the white population. In Australia, it's the indigenous uh, people there against, you know, and in other countries, it's a religious thing. So this is not only isolated to the United States, this is happening globally. And yes, teachers have reached out to me in support and more support, open support this year. Um, as they see that my voice is not being stamped out, I am I'm able to to express myself and still retain my job and hopefully inspire others to to stand up. Because if we don't, we're not going to recognize our country. We won't yeah. even know. Can it. I ask mm-hmm. what what was your light did or did you have a light bulb moment where you thought, OK, I, I just have to say something or was this kind of something that built up over time? And was there something in your background where you kind of more prone to you know, be brave and Ramona, the brave activist, uh, or I'm, I'm kind of curious. Not at all. I mean, I am probably the farthest from any political activity. I've never been involved in politics. Um, I, you know, I consider I'm sort of an anomaly because, you know, I, my parents are, are, I grew up in a different country. I, English was not my first language. I do yoga. You know, I'm not like your typical, uh, the way that, People like to paint conservatives as sort of these insensitive, um, you know, uh, political, radical, political uh, individuals. I feel I'm a humanist and I, I believe in humankind first. And I've never had that political activity until now. This is different, though. I don't even consider this political activity. This is my right. I, I have to do this because if I don't speak out and share what I know, what kind of a mother would I be? And certainly what kind of a human being would I be? So absolutely not um, in my history or, you know, or world at all. So you wrote, okay. So you wrote this, you wrote this piece in legal insurrection Mm -hmm. and that, and then you got a lot of pushback and this was a year ago, a a school year ago. Okay. And, And so how was that school year for you? So then by November, the hostility was infecting even my students in my class, my classes, the the kids were asking me questions like, why don't you like black children? Like, and these are inner city kids, and some of them really need the approval of adults. So if an adult tells them, this is a bad person, you should fear this person, then they might fear you and think you're a bad person. So 
they were picking up on all of that energy that was sort of infiltrating uh, the school and the sort of division that was taking place. And it became hostile. The adults, there are certain adults that were very hostile, constantly being called down, asked about my social media, asked about my Twitter account, my, you know, just harassed and harangued mercilessly. I finally wrote a letter. And this was by teachers? Are you being harassed by teachers only? Or were there parents that weighed in as well? No, no parents. In fact, parents are with me. The administration that was, you know, we had a very, very, you know, hardcore pushing this whole Marxist agenda in the schools, literally referring to themselves as the parents for seven hours a day of these children, to which I, you know, oppose. I said, they are not your children. They are our students. And that is what they are. But even saying something like that was met with, you know, that sort of office political game going on. So I, it became apparent that I, I could no longer uh, function in that school safely. And, 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 you know, there are gangs and there can be some kids who are, I, it was too dangerous. So I was transferred to this classical school with no reason, simply transferred one day where I sat for night for the remainder of the year from October 18th, I think it was until the end of this year. And I think they had hoped that I would just, um, you know, quit and give up. And for most people, that would be it being transferred out and treated the way they were, you know, you would just leave. But so you didn't teach. I did not teach. I sat and so you're just sitting there. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I but you had to show up every day. I, I mean, is that up and I, you know, I participated in what okay. I could participate in and and but also there was dialogue and action going on between um the school school district and attorneys etc uh demanding and where was the teachers unions where where, you know what do you have interaction with the teachers unions i mean were they there are factions of i know they're on the other side ideologically but they're supposed to be supporting teachers How, how did that play out well this is how it played out i had judicial watch primarily um uh, helping me in this, we, although we didn't file any real, um, lit, we didn't litigate the situation, but Judicial Watch was guiding me all, every step of the way. Um, and so they sort of drove the situation. However, I did have a very awesome, you know, union rep, I'm going to be honest. She did a great job kind of following the lead I think, but she she also knew the contract, and so Judicial Watch was great at at kind of bringing the language of the contract, teachers union contract, to work for me. So it was quite brilliant, actually, and and effective, and 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 correct. Also, I am a very good teacher and a kind person. I should not have been treated that way. Um, so it was a joint effort, and uh, over the course of those nine months, um, we came to a, sort of a standoff. And it was going to a hearing with attorneys from Judicial Watch and the union. It was going to be this, you know, big hearing. And they just completely backed down and said, you win, you get your job at Classical. Enjoy. But, of course, um, very, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, you endured um, some unpleasant situations and interactions while you were banished to the basement um, at the school. And mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about those? And then also, what are your thoughts going into the school year at the same school? Um, you know, do you have some some allies lined up and and have you thought through kind of how you'll navigate some of those potentially tricky situations? 
Well, I think honesty and being true to oneself is very, very important here and authentic with students. And I think I might have to have a discussion with parents and students to sort of, you know, field questions that they might have or rumors that they might have about me as an educator. I know already some kids have expressed concern that I'm, uh, I mean, I teach in almost 99% non-white district. So, you know, understandably so, young minds might think that, oh my goodness, here's this person she's been on you know news shows and we've seen clips and we've heard her on social social media etc and they're worried right rightly so because some of the activist adults in this building are telling them I'm to be feared and so my effort my job is to is to the students and the families and and to ensure that the students and families feel comfortable with me and trust that my you know I'm maybe what they're hearing and the rumors are are not true because I am certainly not hateful of any um, race or children or or anyone. I mean, certainly not in 23 years are you getting through life without any former, suddenly you're a racist because you speak out against curriculum. Um, so I think it's important to take a stand and I have a great deal of support still from Judicial Watch and um, support from other colleagues who have given me strength and support, you know, from many, many people, honestly, in Europe, Australia, Canada, and the U.S. who have reached out. And, and that means that gives me strength as well. And yes, there are going to be haters. There are going to be people who, who um, try to attack me. Well, they haven't been successful yet. And it's been two years I've been in this battle. So um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But first and foremost, I'm going to be reaching out to parents and children and making sure that my students understand that they have a dedicated, caring teacher in front of them. And what's the curriculum going to be like this year for you? Well, it's interesting because now I'm at a, at a high school that is considered one of the best high schools in, in Rhode Island. It's, uh, this, is also, this high school is also heavily weighted in that sort of activist mindset. So, but the books are classic, you know, classic literature However, they're woven into one of those curriculum platforms that are heavily weighted in, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and those uh, ideologies that go along with that uh, mindset. So, for example, uh, Romeo and Juliet is taught with that gender feminist mindset. In fact, there's a there's a book on the platform called I think it's a uh, uh, Romeo, Romietto and Julio. So it's two men instead of, uh, you know, a, a young couple during the, uh, you know, see, see what I'm saying? So there's a yeah. lot of that infiltration of the ideology into the classics. And I will be, of course, not doing that. I'll be eliminating it. So, you know, um, it's going to be a very interesting. Can I ask you, year. I want to jump in for one second. Yeah. You know, we've had we've had a few teachers on, a few hero teachers like yourself. But uh, I think you're the first uh, English teacher. Why do Why do we teach the classics? Why do you think it's important to teach the classics? Because the classics, the classics are. And I agree with yeah. you, but I'm curious to hear you talk. About and this it. is what I tell my students because sometimes you know the classics are universal and they're timeless. You know, we the themes in these great works of literature, you know, love and and uh, betrayal and deceit and truth and all of these themes that are universal are timeless. Okay. And the books mm-hmm. that are the human coming condition. in, I mean, that's mm-hmm. correct. It's 
but it's more than tradition. It's who we are as human beings. They represent the greatest and the worst elements of human nature and, and history. Um, and so it's important to teach from that objective universal place when we're, when we have young people in front of us, because they are, they're impressionable and they have to be able to make their own opinions. This other curriculum, and I don't call it CRT, I call it anti-American race-based curriculum. This is very one-dimensional. It is telling children that they should be angry, hateful, and mistrustful. And if it's also leading some children to, to go down that sort of gender uh, pathway where they're maybe not understanding or being led towards making decisions that they're not quite ready for developmentally, et cetera. So it, that is why this classic, it, it, classics can be a great way to bring everyone together of all colors, of all cultures. And that is what is wonderful about this country. And what I love about the United States, you know, it's like the history here embraces the diversity embraces inclusion. We are we are the great equalizer here in the United States. And that mindset, that American mindset is embedded in all this great literature. And I would even say that some of the um, British literature also has, you know, also have that sort of free uh, universal mindset that is important mm -hmm. to impart and share to our students. It is. It, it really at its core is empowering. And a lot of what we're seeing now is disempowering. Yeah. And so while it is tragic, um, how far it has drifted into uh, the mainstream classroom, it is wonderful that there are teachers like you who not only are willing to stand up and speak out, but also to stick it out and to remain in the schools. And I think my hope for you is that you have a giant teachable moment this year, or many of them, um, as you re-enter the classroom. And uh, so you'll be a blessing to anyone that crosses your path. Thank you. It's my hope as well. And I have some obstacles ahead of me. Um, and uh, we'll see if we can get some of those things resolved, some safety issues but, uh, for the children, et cetera. But um, that's a whole other... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot here going on. So, but thank you so much for those words. I, I appreciate that you saying that. Well, we, we appreciate what you've done, but I have, I have one last question, sort of along the same lines, which is, okay, you've, you've, it's been rough and you're obviously a very strong and persistent person and you've stuck with this, which we commend you for immensely. How do we get other teachers to do what you did? Or do you have any advice for other teachers that are contemplating speaking out on these issues? Because we, we, you know, Beth and I are both parents. There are so few parents that are willing to speak up about these, but it's orders of magnitude harder for teachers to do it. You've done it. You know, how do we get other teachers to do it? Well, I don't think there is one way. And unfortunately, I'm going to be very realistic here. If you look at any situation where a country's been taken over, quite often people don't even believe that they're being taken over until the machetes and the guns are pointed, you know, pointed at them and they, they're, they're right at the door. So, you know, in the Second World War, you had Jews being, you know, taken to concentration camps and murdered en masse. And still people didn't believe this was happening. Um, you know, and you look at any sort of revolutionary pattern and, and people refuse to. Our minds don't go there. The normal mind can't go there. So will teachers speak out? No. Sadly, you're not going to see that mass organization because it's too scary for people. Most teachers are putting their heads down, shutting the door and hoping to God and praying that this goes away. So some people are more vocal and I'm happy to have that voice. Um, somehow it's worked out to, you know, um, 
I have this, I feel, support. Had I not had the help of Judicial Watch, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you, for example. And I, maybe people are afraid that they're not going to get any assistance or help. So I, realistically, I would hope that teachers would band together. But uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's, that's in, I don't know that that's possible right now. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really think. Well, we have that. to support. I think, I think, no, I, you know, I mean, this is a question we've all asked. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try to get parents to speak up, like I said earlier, which is hard, but you know, we, what, what we've asked to question, you know, we've talked about what, what, what can people do to support teachers? Uh, because, you know, parents only know so much about what's going on mm-hmm. in the classroom. And, uh, you know, a lot of parents will say the only reason they know what's going on is because of, you know, zoom school, they saw what their kids were teaching. Uh, now that's, you know, we're back to in-person school. We have, you know, less transparency of what's going on. So Media it's helps. the teachers that, that we hope, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can expose us, but, you know, yes. we appreciate how hard it is yes. to do what you did. But it's happening. I think we're seeing, we're seeing it turn around. I really do see a lot of awareness in my own community. Parents, I'm involved in the parent group and we are very vocal and we have accomplished so much and we have brought a great deal of awareness and just the presence uh, the fact that mm-hmm. I'm still working is huge. So small baby steps. We've only discovered this, like, you know, over this past year, have we really understood the scope of what's going on, right? So The Marxist yeah. march for the institutions has been decades long, and we sort of only woke up in the last 18 months. It is. And, and, and we have to have that long mindset, I think. And yeah. having parents, I think, find, like, catch teachers doing something good you know, or, or seek out, have, initiate those conversations with teachers. If you sense that you're on the same page and that concerns, I think there's a lot of mutual encouragement that could go along, that could go a long way. Um, and then, you know, you never know, but uh, just might, might, we might find our next Ramona. So. <laughs> well, well, we thank you. Thank you so much. We thank you for all that you've done. Uh, and we need more teachers like you. Hopefully they're out Amen. there and we know a few yeah. of them, but we need a lot more, but um, you know, we wish you a Good luck for this upcoming school year. Thank you. And again, thank you for joining us on Take Back Our Schools. And thank you for everything you've done to expose what is going on in our public school system. Let us know how it's going. Uh, we'd love to hear back. <laughs> I will keep you posted. Definitely. I will. There's going to be yes, please do. things coming up. So I will keep you posted. And thank you for having me on your show. And I have faith. So we're going to prevail. another hero teacher another it's great it, truly Ramona the Brave I mean Ramona the Brave I she like that. really um you know and it's I stuck with it I mean I don't know who wouldn't have quit you know I you would think a lot of you know you're not teaching basically in the, in the rubber room or whatever you want to call it I mean that's got to be really tough and she stuck with it and hostile interactions with people too we didn't get into it with our in our discussion with her but there were you know, pretty hateful comments directed her way um, that whole year, you know, while at her old school, then at this new school, and that she is going back to that same school, um, though now will be in a classroom, is definitely brave. And, you know, I really do hope that perhaps that will be used, um, you know, as a, as a, it's an even more powerful example that she is returning kind of to the battlefield, if you will, and then hopefully can make, you know, maybe turn some hearts and minds and people will understand, you know, the quality person that she is and why she believes what she believes and what her concerns are. And, and maybe, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, make some conversions. I'm, I really hope so. So, and I do look forward to hearing how her, her school year's going. Yeah. We'll have to have her back 
and and see how that's going. I mean, interesting if she's having conversation with both kids and parents. Good, good that that that. Um, I think she said that there were parents that were really with her. So I imagine um, that that the same will be true at this school. And so hopefully, she sounds like she's very good at kind of connecting and working a network, and she understands you know how to um, you know build uh, relationships with people. And so that will be yeah. that will be crucial. But. I really do think that any kid that gets her for English this year is is a, a lucky kid. Yeah, no, she seems like a terrific teacher. And, and and the scary thing is these are the kind of teachers that are leaving the, you know, because they yeah want to teach. They just want to teach, teach literature, teach history, and they're not allowed to teach what they should be teaching. No, no, we certainly need more like her. So we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ramona Bessinger. Um, we had Paul Rossi last time. So we have now two hero teachers in a row on Take Back Our Schools. And we'll be back soon for another episode. Uh, we thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please share us, review us, give us a good review. And tune in to the next episode of Take Back Our Schools. I'm Andrew Gutman. And on behalf of Beth Feely, we'll see you soon. Ricochet. Join the conversation.